Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a conversation with Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang, and host Michael Lerner. Welcome, everybody. I am Kira Epstein, the program coordinator at the New School at Commonweal. It is an auspicious day, and it's an auspicious time, according to our astrologists, who have determined the appropriate time and date for us to have this conversation. So we are welcoming Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang, and our host, Michael Lerner. We are recording this conversation, and we will have produced audio and video files available. You can find all of our recordings on the New School's website, and they're also on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. This conversation is as part of a series on astrology and archetypal psychology. We have quite a few other event recordings on this topic that you can watch or listen to. I also hope you take a look at our other offerings coming up this summer and fall on our website, which is tns.commonweal.org. So thank you all for being with us. Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang, and Michael Lerner, thank you for being with us at the New School at Commonweal. Thank you so much, Kira, and uh, welcome to all of you who are joining us. This is a very special event uh, to have our beloved friend and longtime Commonweal colleague, Caroline Casey, uh, with us again. She's been to Commonweal many times uh, as a keynote speaker at our fall gatherings and is a close friend of quite a few of us there. I'll introduce uh, my uh, dear friend Rachel Lang first. Rachel is the one who got me into this whole exploration of astrology with a reading she did for me that just uh, made me want to go further. She's a professional astrologer, psychic medium, and author of Modern Day Magic, Eight Simple Rules to Realize Your Power and Shape Your Life. And uh, she teaches all kinds of courses. You can look up her uh, uh, bio at the new school and uh, is just a, a very distinguished um, uh, young uh, member of the uh, high-level astrology community. And I'm honored that she's been guiding me in astrology. Caroline uh, Casey, for many of you, truly needs no introduction, although Rachel told me Caroline was a big part of how she got into astrology. She is a visionary activist astrologer devoted to the principle that imagination lays the tracks for the reality train to follow. So the cultivation of imagination coupled with the capacity for complex storytelling is a key strategy for personal and collective change. Uh, she has studied astrology since she was a teenager and has many, many other uh, uh, qualifications. Uh, the Visionary Activist Show, Wedding uh, Spiritual Magic to Ingenious Social Action, has been on Pacifica uh, in Northern California and is replayed in LA. And she offers visionary activist revivals at many places around the country and I guess around the world. So with that, Rachel and Caroline, welcome to the new school. Welcome all. Thank you. 
Thank you. And and let me do uh, what we did backstage, which is to greet uh, to greet Rachel because she is a Libran like me and born in the year of the dragon like me. So we go welcome, fellow Libran dragon. That's right. <laughs> and the and the uh, year of the sheep, the Good Samaritan, Michael. All right, right. And it is always useful. What what what? Right, right. What does Ursula Le Guin say? Ursula Le Guin says. Those who do not listen to dragons are doomed to live out the nightmares of politicians. Ah, 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 ah. So we have a, a dragon conversation going. And, um, you know, that, well, that's great. I'm a large part of why Rachel got into astrology. When people usually ask me, uh, how'd you get into astrology? I go, drugs. Um, and it's sort of true. It's the entheogens that rescued me as a teenager in Andy Weil's salon, uh, responsible entheogenic use, uh, from teenage nihilism, like, oh, religion's a crutch and everything. Oh, wait, patterns, beautiful patterns. Ah, and it was in that context that astrology was spoken about, you know, as, um, you know, ritual magic, social change, um, everything I'm interested in. And at that time, even before I kind of knew the language, I'm like, this'll do. Um, uh, it's no matter how much we study, there's always more you know, and um, and it is this beautiful conversational language. So let me kind of open it up, conversing the word itself, converse, con, with, verse, turning. A conversation is a turning together. And this beautiful language is a conversational language that says conversing, but we live in a conversational creation in which everything's speaking to us all the time by shape and color and song and rhythm. And if we just approach the world with informed, reverent curiosity, we'd be back in the conversation, you know, and the dance. And mm. um, yeah, so we did choose this time <clears throat> um, because the world's on fire and what are we going to do? And cooperators are standing by. And uh, let me just introduce a little bit of the conversing and then we can maybe to and fro but including everybody, you know, uh, there's 104 people online now and more coming. That, so all part of this turning together to gather. And um, so I love astrology really as the first endogenous language of participatory kinship. And the word endogenous is such a wonderful thing. It comes to us from entheogens. We, we have endogenous receptors for cannabis. You know, and I like to say we have endogenous receptors for myth and astrology. So regardless of how much or little our, our attendee participants know, when we speak the words, there's parts of us that go, yes, hello, there we go. So we want to speak to the conversational participatory part of everybody. And then just a little frame, you know, why I'm so enthused about gathering now, um, because the Backstage deities are eager for us to cahoot. So it's just past the full moon, the sun in Cancer overhead, right next to Ceres Demeter, dwarf planet, goddess of the earth. We work for her, you know, right next to Mercury, intelligence of conversation. We'll come back there. Opposite moon and Pluto. Dum, dum, da, dum. So I like, um, Gustavo Petro, who is the recently the president-elect of Colombia, said, it's no longer left and right, but life and death. I go, mm. that's good. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I, I love Pluto is where it was when this country was founded right mm -hmm. now, right? July 4th, 1776, Pluto was at 27 degrees of Capricorn. It's taken it this long for it to return. So it's a 
powerful moment. And so I do, um, the thing I sent out to many people is um, I, I do love the movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, that I just saw. It's streaming, but the title is fabulous. You know, Everything Everywhere All at Once, it's very trippy. It's very trippy. Um, but I think that addresses the Pluto return in this country, everything everywhere all at once, that Pluto says to dredge deeply, you know, to look at everything, all of the corruption and the betrayal, as, you know, to, to excavate archaeologically back to the original liberating impulse to resurrect democracy, right? And, um, you know, Rachel and I are, I'm, I'm sure, telepathically in, in cahoots, well, your son is my Saturn. Ah, that's, I know. That's funny, right? <laughs> I know. And um, so, so that's that's adorable. Which is at the Robin Hood degree, steal from the yep. rich, give to the poor, um, which is wonderful. And then, um, just in honor of your chart, because we want to bring everybody into play, I do love that um, your rising sign, fifteen Gemini, is woman gives rousing speech on behalf of the Earth. We go, thank you, thank you very much. That's really great. Um, and then, just also. Um, Oh no! It's never mind. I, 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 at, fir at first, I did your chart for October eleventh, ten seventy six. I'm like, what a great oh. chart! Oh wait, no. that's, it, that's, it, a, that's a different lifetime. <laughs> different, yeah. It looked good, but you you carry it all with you. So, just a, a little bit about why the backstage divine is eager for us to converse. So, so here is Ceres, goddess of the earth. We work for her. Life mm -hmm. or death, sun. Mercury and Cancer, um, let our words be full of feeling. And Mercury has a, a sextile, a, a collaborative 60-degree angle to Uranus, one of my favorite beings, trickster genius in Taurus, the realm of biomimicry and participatory animism. And Uranus is stationing now. It's, it's arrived at its stationing degree where it's spending a long time. I've been really looking forward to it for the, as a summer companion. Its image is a new continent arising up out of the ocean, you know, rebirth after crisis. And it's like, thank you, thank you. Jupiter also stationing at its degree, which is a crystal gazer. So, so we're being invited to to see the desirable story, to be fully aware of the like, whoa, the danger as incentive, but to have that dedication to coming back to the desirable story. And, and may it be all of us engaging in public discourse or private conversation, it's all one giant turning together. Because the, the news, the news, the news people, there's such black magic, you know, going, oh, Biden's so tired and blah, blah, blah. Magic is a willingness to cooperate with everything. And part of what this beautiful language bestows upon us is everybody, you know, has, has all of these living intelligences in them, a Mercury, a Saturn, a Uranus. Um, and whatever we speak to in another is the part of them we're inviting to dance, which is why our etiquette is we, we don't want to be judgy. We want to be discerning and diagnos diagnostic, right? But not judgy, because when we're judgy, imprisoning, we're inviting the imprisoned, not very interesting part of ourselves to dance with the imprisoned. No, it's never, never a good idea. So, um, and then just, I want, I want to, as we go into politics, mythology, spirituality, that tolerance, tolerance, that all of us are comprised of many parts. 
and and and, and dealing with so many you know progressives um I have the Pluto cauldron beside me so we can throw things into the cauldron cuz I'm sure this isn't true of anybody here right but but there is a progressive in quotes response to many things which is kind of nyanya right and we go I want to throw nyanya into the cauldron people go oh biden nyanya and it's like it's an assignment to work with this guy his son is 27 degrees scorpio he's born the same day as the gettysburg address that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth mm-hmm. and we go right and he's a king of the fairies there there's an augury part of him right and um and yes we can go right the drilling and the thing and the whatever and but, but nonetheless you know we're assigned everything as a dance partner even or especially the virus right how do we you know um Jonas and Taurus reminds us that you know when will the pandemic end it will end when the conditions that gave rise to it are addressed and the conditions that gave rise to it are humans despoiling the earth mm-hmm. so we're going to have these viral storms right as as dance partners cooperative partners dangerous allies in some way and then just the last little bits i want to put on and then toss it to 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 Rachel and 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 Michael to and fro but but mercury overhead there's so many blessings being bestowed on us going we can do this so mercury sextiles uranus biomimicry uranus and taurus for a few more years i think it's four it this i feel as super crucial for all of us to make alliances with what we love in nature to be its agent in the human cultural world and mercury squares chiron little planetoid uh mentor centaur mentor and i do love um in keeping with the cancerian realm it says history is the womb of time so history that my friend debra felma says you know in the west we think of the future in front of us and the past in back of us who cares and debra who lives in syria and vermont says in the middle east it's the reverse and it's fun to do this she says we're gazing at the past in front of us just kind of try the perspective here the future is invisible but we're crafting the future by gazing at the caravan of our past mentors mm-hmm. and we go oh i love that so so for all of us to think of who are our mentors human rock plant animal astrological mentors all of that and then mercury is part of this beautiful thing that is such a blessing to us mercury quintile 72 degree angle to mars in taurus the animal spirits are present mars quintile saturn saturn by quintile 144 degree angle back to mercury it's very beautiful so a quintile is a 72 degree angle what we get when we divide the circle by 5 5 is sacred to venus and it's one of the first things i learned as a little occult student in london at the astrological lodge on baker street um so i learned it as literary but it but it's available to all of us in many many forms we learned it as irresistible eloquence um and the reason i love it so much is that it's a capacity for all of us available now for download um to hold a true perception you know and to be like a tuning fork in that it hums in others mm, part of the conversing you know so we don't have to convince anybody it would be as though people said oh rachel since you said that thing about my charter since you did that i see that now right so it's really clean guiding people to their own autonomy and um 
And I love my my decades-long ally, Sylvia Scully, said, um, Caroline, the quintile is all that you say, but it's also the capacity to open portals between worlds. I'm like, ooh, now we're talking, and if it's not true, let's make it true, right? So Mercury to Mars and Taurus, as the animistic spirits are available, Mars's image, metaphors for each degree of a zodiac, is a cantilever bridge over a rocky gorge, you know, doing impossible things, you know, get, getting, 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 getting from there to here, and we go, all right, there's a lot of conundrums on our table. Um, and it's very much like High John the Conqueror, the trickster folk hero of the South. We've got to find a way out of no way and hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. And that's where Uranus and Jupiter, the two biggest path openers stationing, are here to help us out, you know, for each, for all of us to give to our inner democracy comprised of all these planets, the work it does best. And I think Saturn is in some ways least understood. Saturn's the part of all of us that defines things, takes vows, um, dedicates. But Saturn's really terrible at, well, how are we going to do that? The world impossible. And we go, no, no, no. Saturn, your job is what? Not how. When, when we give how to Saturn, it, it's like, oh, no, it's like, no, no. Saturn's job is what? Jupiter and Uranus chime in, especially now for everybody here and say, we'll do how. We'll do how in a way that makes you bark with laughter. You know, um, do common sense things as they occur, because that's magic, too, and stewardship, but not to let the compelling illusion of realism be an imaginative impediment. That's, that's yeah. really beautiful. Thank you. And I know uh, Rachel well enough to know that she's been listening to this with uh, <laughs> uh, many feelings. So, Rachel, take it away for a bit here. What does this evoke for you? Well, I just have some yes ands. And uh, there are some aspects of this mythological, astro-mythological story that I'd like to bring in, too. And one of them is Eris. Oh, yeah. Eris is at 25 Aries, 25th degree of Aries. And she's standing in a T-square between the midpoint of the moon and Pluto and Ceres. And she's close to the sun, too. And so I always think of any planet at that how at that that apex of the T square being like the you know like a slingshot like where the energy is ripe for activity and for motion and for where we want to release we want some kind of letting go and and I and with Eris it's 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 like we don't always Eris is the goddess of discord but I like to think of her as the as the goddess of disruption for progressive change yes and um and so it's not discord where there doesn't need to be discord it is stirring the cauldron so to speak um and raising up bubbling up whatever needs to be transformed and eris is the the transformative energy that allows us to catalyze change and sometimes in ways that feel a little surprising to others, sometimes in ways that feel invigorating and courageous. And so um, and so I love the way that Eris has been involved in the Pluto story for the last two years. Eris and Pluto have been challenging one another. Now that Pluto's retrograde, they're going back into that, that standoff. And so I sort of see Eris as being 
a, a really big player in this lunation and in this astrological story. Um, and then one other thing that I'm noticing and becoming aware of as we're as you're talking, Carolyn, because I'm looking at the chart for right now. Um, one other thing I'm noticing is that uh, Black Moon Lilith is in a septile, which is in a 90 degree aspect with Uranus, with stationing Uranus. And Black Moon Lilith, I've been, since the Cancer New Moon, I have been meditating to Lilith. I've been reading, uh, I've been really just absorbed in Lilith mythology. And one of the things that, um, that, that interests me about this particular, a septile is sort of like an aha, like an otherworldly, it's, it's really the working of magic, the forces, the supernatural forces that compel transformation, that compel change. And so I'm looking at Lilith and Uranus and thinking that, um, that our conversation, I think this conversation today um, can be in some ways a conjuring of that vision, of a vision of uh, of, of the the little um, sparks of insight that can spark vision for anyone listening to this or for us, um, for how we deepen our relationship, how we really get back into um, a oneness with the earth, because that's the that's the energy of Lilith. Lilith is the wildness inside of us that refuses to be tamed, and that 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 understands that only by working in a wondrous relationship with all life, with this material reality within our bodies, not having some disassociated spirituality, that only by really embodying um, spirit in this in this physical world that that that's really what we're called to do that's why we have these experiences why we why we're here why we've incarnated and so lilith opens us up for understanding that that for for feeling on a myth on a mystical level on a physiological level that connection with the earth and then uranus sparking the 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 courage that creates the pathway for for change and, and change and, that aligns to purpose because it's conjunct the north node which is that point that we're all moving toward and i'm noticing this is a big theme in my practice right now is that everyone is it's like the roads clearing you know in uh, i know carolyn you're like you've probably done open the road rituals or lit you know like created like done candles or for opening the road um like uranus conjunct north node opens the road. It's like whatever has been standing as a, like a, 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 an obstacle or a hurdle, it's clearing it away. And, um, and so, uh, and so I just wanted to add those things to everything that, that Carolyn was saying. Uh, Caroline, coming back to you, um, there's this wide perception that democracy is in peril in the United States, that we are at a turning point. You've referenced, you've both referenced the Pluto return. Um, you have an unusual capacity, Caroline, um, uh, and to go to conservative conferences and, and play with the conservatives in really interesting ways, not getting them to think, getting them to open their minds, but when you talked about that in the past at Commonweal, we weren't in 
quite as polarized a place as we are now. Caroline, when you see how polarized we are now, do you find that the way you were able to play with, uh, let's say, more mainstream conservatives in the pre-Trump era uh, is compromised or changed? Are you are you able to hold creative dialogue with the people who say that they are representing the Republican Party now? Well, first, for fun, conversational, liberating language, um, I like just as a aspiration that whenever we say something that's true but undesirable, we park it in the past. It yeah. has been true that we have been polarized, okay. but now is a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the hearings are a consummate art form, uh, a confluence of mythological, historical, and dedication. You know, and then just as a little, uh, you know, again, uh, re- referring back to, to Rachel bringing in Eris, right? So to introduce further, um, so Eris is a, a planet way out in the Kuiper belt beyond Pluto, right? So a little abstract. But as we know, anything for which we have a name, we have a relationship, Right. Um, and she's in Aries for all of us because she's got a 500 year orbit. But she is yeah, arrived at, at 25, <clears throat> um, whose image is woman bursting with gifts more than she can hold. Right. It's mm. actually Pacifica's uh, son when it was born. We go, right, disruptive in this going. We have so many gifts. So I think it is um, we, we polish off all of our skills to converse across borders and then with our wizard and witchcraft brooms, we dissolve the borders after we cross them, going there. We're all in this thing together. So that's why it's so useful to gather now in the Cancerian realm. And I always like to bring up Br'er Rabbit, right? The Cancer Gathering. There was times when all the critters used to gather to sagashuate, just like there ain't been no hard times, like there ain't been no fallen out, like they all remembered they were kin, right? So with that in mind, I, I do dust off my skills about talking to right-wing nutjobs, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and, um, um, and to find the common story. You know, um, example. And- you, you, you used to give us examples of your talks with right-wing nutjobs. Give us an example of an exchange between you and a right-wing nutjob. Well, two things. Um, I, I've used them, but I carry them in my pocket, right? So some of you might have heard them, but, but I'm new to many of you, so here we go. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but I think we can tease, and and all of us can put things in our magic backpacks to take away. So um, I was at CPAC, not not the not the former guys, because that was too ma- too much, right? And and we do want to bring in the wrathful Dakinis as part of the Moon Pluto thing, who metabolize poison, right? But before that, at CPAC, and um, um, uh, friends of mine said, let's smuggle you into the Reagan banquet. And I'm like, well, okay. And, and I always look like I look, except I think I was wearing wolf pendants and things. And this guy comes up and goes, wolves. And I gave him the rap on wolf model of leadership. And he's like, oh, you know, I used to read mythology, I, but I can't talk about it with, so, like, you know, here, would you be my, ga- my date at the Reagan banquet? I'm like, you bet. Okay, there we go. Okay. So, so he goes, I am, own one of the largest privately owned boats in the world. And I go, you must love the ocean. And he's like, I do. And I go, anyway, so, so, so off we go. Um, 
the other one, whatever we speak to another, and then it turns out because he took a picture and um, he's CEO of Petroleum Inc., right? So anyway, so so the conversation was opened over there. But but the other one that you're referring to is, um, I think, useful for all of us. So I saw these Ayn Rand Austrian economists, you know, kind of up to no good, and I felt contempt. Right. So there is no communication, no conversation when we have contempt. So I pulled out my imaginary harumphitude composter. Right. And at that point, they were like, you, who are you? And I said, um, I'm Coyote Network News. I'm a mythological news service for the trickster redeemer within us all. And they said, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> if I'd said I'm an environmentalist or a feminist or an astrologer, any of those things, right? unexpected language liberates everybody. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang, and host Michael Lerner. Right. Well, that's, that's the point that I'd just like to make about astrology and archetypal psychology is that it it really does speak across the political spectrum, you know, and in fact, uh, there are a lot of conservatives who can understand those arguments sometimes even better than progressives. The same is true with integrative medicine, with integrative health, you know, that crosses all the political spectrum. So that capacity that you have uh, to dance with, um, you know, as you've been demonstrating, to dance with people across the political spectrum seems to me a, a really powerful magic for this period of time. And, the, and then just one more I, I do want to bring up and then we'll toss it around. But because um, I think it's it's before our whole conversational council here. So, I, you know, I was going to these, you know, Committee for the Republic, comprised of, you know, Republicans and uh, judges and left wing, everybody. And my friend who got me into it said, um, that person's the most conservative person in the room. Go talk to him. So I go, hello. Um, and he says, well, what do you know about Edmund Burke? And I go, not much. And he said, well, this conversation, conversation about big government, small governments, irrelevant. Edmund Burke said, the more we cultivate inner Saturn, he didn't say Saturn, but inner Saturn, what is it to be a good citizen? The fewer outer Saturn rules or regulations we need. And I go, yes. I said, this is astrology. This is uh, Taoism. And he goes, I love Taoism. I haven't been able to talk about it with any of my conservative friends. But I just want to put this on our work table because we're really defining Saturn. What is it to be a good citizen? of a democracy, what is it to be a good citizen of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and in defining things, you know, whenever things are polarized, you know, to rather than complicitously feed that opposition, to ask people, what's your definition of good governance? Well, one, it disrupts the thing and, the, and it throws the Saturn going, oh, and then I can prime the pump. I, you know, the purpose of government is to protect the commonwealth. Uh, anyway, but, but, um, but, but so that's, I think, a useful thing. But good citizenship, the more we cultivate that, which is very much before us, the fewer outer laws we need. Corporations need that. Yes, that's the thing. Um, and then the last little thing from CPAC was... Um, I run into a guy and he's like, no EPA, no regulation, no, no, because I want to play the games that I want to play. And I go, well, that's interesting because the essence of games is rules. In fact, on this planet, there's some limits, some Saturn limits. There's only so much water. That's it. That's, that's it. You know, you know the Cleopatra's bathwater is raining down on us now. And he's like, oh, 
I didn't know that. I guess I should rethink my, what did you call it? Metaphor. I'm like, yes, yes, go do that. <laughs> anyway, so, so, so Wolf Wolf Wanna Play, I think is part of our conversational mm -hmm. setting. And if somebody doesn't, we keep moving, right? So a, a playful engagement, which is very available. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. Rachel, uh, again, I, you know, I want to know, Rachel, can we break your big news about what you're going to do in politics on this very webinar? Ah, well, I have I had a chart, an announcement chart all elected. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, um, but I can. OK, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm running for city council. <laughs> oh, goody. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. In, right, well, in Ohio. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the blessing and support of the mayor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in, and that's in, in Ohio. You know, that here, Rachel, as, as an astrologer, as a, a, a mystic comedian, uh, is going to get out there and run for city council in order to move progressive change in Ojai, California, which, as you know, Caroline, Ojai has quite a history. So, you know, for Rachel to do that there is really extraordinary. And I'm just so hopeful that that uh, you will bring fresh energy to it. So as you listen to what Caroline has been saying, uh, what what comes up now for you? What does that evoke? Um, a couple of things. And first, I want to just talk about running. Um, you know, I've always felt like I mean, I've always been in, been at the intersection my entire career of astro mythology, social justice and art. And I started to really think about, you know, what I could do. And I've always thought, you know, had that had that saying in the back of my mind, think, think global, act local. And here's an opportunity to really implement a lot of the, the way that I, I see things moving. Um, if we can envision a post-patriarchal, post-white supremacist world, it's one that would likely run on consensus to where we'd be breaking out of this binary thinking of this polarized paradigm that we've been living in since, you know, the, the third or fourth century BCE. And, um, and so one of the things I've been watching over my career, really, as I've been thinking about the astrology of how these shifts are going to take place, looking at Pluto moving into Aquarius, thinking about the Aquarius age and what does that mean? Also, I've read a lot of theosophical literature, so I know that there's another race of humankind that's going to be born. And, you know, like, that. you know, there's a, a lot of, uh, there are, I think it was Helen, Helena uh, Blavatsky, Madame Blavatsky, who talked about uh, having a gender neutral um, uh, culture. And, um, and I know some of that, some of her ideas uh, aren't really fitting into what we know of um, to be true right now at this time. But I think that what we've seen with our transgender friends and with that movement in really taking, like unpacking gender, gender binaries and gender constructs, what we've seen in that movement, I think, can be a template for us to follow in looking at how do we move out of um, polarity. 
in politics. I watch our own local committees, like not reaching decisions or people coming in and fighting with one another. And I think there's got to be, we're giving birth to a, a new paradigm. We're giving birth to a new earth. And there, there are other ways to do things rather than fighting it out. And I'm one too, who's been at Republican national conventions. Like I, I actually um, had an interview with Entertainment Tonight at the at the Reagan Library um, during the Republican uh, oh. debate, the primary debate. And you know, and and they kind of wanted to make fun of it. They were like, "What's an astrologer doing here?" And I said, "Ronald Reagan didn't make a single move without consulting, without Nancy consulting their astrologer." Um, and, and so I'm also one of, you know, like Carolyn, Carolyn, actually, you've been a really big influence in my work and in my life. Um, thank you. You're Saturn uh, on my son. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, and one of the things that I've, I've really taken from listening to your podcast for years and years and years, and from, you know, reading your work and, and all of those things. One thing that you've really taught me is, that whenever we have an opposition, that that when there's two, we need a third. Right. That um, and I've really lived so much of my life by that, and that's that's sort of why I'm, you know, why I'm why I'm running. <laughs> Somebody's asking, can you share your website so they can donate? And I don't. It's so, not up yet because I haven't officially announced my candidacy. Right. No, no, no. It'll be up. <laughs> right. you, you, you tricked her off of her formal thing. So this isn't the formal thing. This is the backstage <laughs> is with the uh, with yeah. 200, 200 friends who are supportive. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but that's so great in, in Ojai because <clears throat> it's, it's wonderful history and all. Um, but um, uh, and, and, and do you do you know the dancer Ben Afshay who lives there? No, oh, I don't. Oh, I will introduce you. One of the best Middle Eastern dance teachers in the world lives in Ojai, all about undulating and inviting in magic and all of those things. So everything's a dance partner. So there's that. There's that. And then Ojai is where, um, you know, um, uh, Nina Simons, you know, got a bunch of money and uh, flew women that she thought should meet to Ojai. And this was in uh just after well just after uh, uh right before the iraq war um and and that was the founding of the council of unreasonable women so ojai is the 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 birthplace of the council of unreasonable women out of which many things came you know congressman pramila jayapal was in that um code pink came out of that uh diane wilson indefatigable so it's got women's mojo in ojai just blah, 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 blah. so that's great you know, connecting with the land, you know, um, so wonderful. What a absolutely participatory. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's super great. And then, um, well, and, and, and in the political realm, right. So, so I am wildly enthused about the hearings. I, I think the hearings are a powerful, really well done public ritual. <clears throat> and before, before that, I'm like, you know, will, will it be good Will it be, will Benny Thompson, the chairman, be charismatic enough? You know, whatever. And it's like, never mind all that. Um, behind Benny Thompson really was Obatala, positive Saturn. We, 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 are, we are tracking things. Like, where do we see these principles? Where, where is positive Saturn, wise leadership? And it's like, never mind charisma. He's got solemnity and dignity and competence. And it's like, whoa. So we see you know, the mythic power of Saturn, you know, behind him. And then for all of us, we see all these people 
who have done terrible, terrible, corrupt things, but are being okay now, right? So, it, you know, it's um, yesterday's especially, you know, and, and Liz Cheney, what that, you know, a crime family, but she's stepping up, you know, and, and for us to see that, it's like the movie Seven Days in May, where the corruption gets so strong that the bad guys go, oh, now it's too far. And that's what I mean, Michael, about the, it has been polarity, but now come on over. You know, Alan Watts says, no sense clinging to the rocks that are falling with you, right? Come, come, on, come on over here to the desirable thing. Come on over here to the better story that invites everybody's, you know, disobedient, imaginative genius. We've got things to do. We can't afford the unimaginative default setting of war and strife to distract us from our necessity of healing our relationship to the earth, right? And so glad that you're, you're, you're bringing all this into active political participation. Yes, good for you. you know, uh, Caroline, I, I want to ask you the question that I've wrestled with, uh, with Rachel for some time, which is, you know, I totally get astrology as an incredible archetypal language, uh, you know, the way Carl Jung uh, uh, got it. And Carl Jung and your friend James Hillman, they were both extraordinarily dedicated astrologers. Hillman's son is also a dedicated astrologer. So I get the inner language of astrology. And I get, you know, even if all assignments of birth date and everything else were random, even if, you know, when you're told this is your destiny, you know, and what happens is these incredibly powerful archetypal memes that have been, you know, uh, uh, honed for thousands of years are given to you in a pattern and you're told this is your life. And so just as you said that there are receptors for cannabis and, you know, receptors for uh, archetypes, they light up your life and you say, oh, aha, yes, this makes perfect sense to me. I am this. And it puts you in a relationship with your archetypes, which you can explore. So I've been developing this idea of astrology for non-believers, which is completely about the inner planets that doesn't require you to believe a single thing and not a single thing. But uh, we did, as you know, a conversation with Rick Tornas about his Cosmos and Psyche book. And the extraordinary thing about that is you cannot explain Cosmos and Psyche on the basis of purely internal planets. Either this is an unbelievable exercise by a genius in confirmation bias that he set out and found all these amazing relationships between history and astrology just by cherry picking uh, things, or it's actually happening. Now, if it's actually happening, either in individual lives or in history, I do not understand how it works. And Excellent. So, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not meant to understand how it works, right? That's the, <clears throat> the point is, how do you understand how it works? Well, first, for fun, because I have my harumphitude cauldron here to throw wow. into which to throw the word wrestled. Because wow. um, so many people, I've been wrestling with this issue. I go, what does it feel like if you replace the word wrestle with dancing? I've been yeah. dancing with this question because then we got some movement. I the question it. is your dance partner. Whatever we say, we got more. He wants more wrestling. No, no, we want more dancing, right? Um, I feel the same way about the word archetype. That's my thing. I throw it into the cauldron because it's an old word, but it's really 
a word that Jung used to smuggle living, living qualities of intelligence into academia. Nothing to worry about here. It's just an archetype, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to there is a, like with the Orishas, the, the intelligences, they're, they're real. Inner and outer are real. So Jung was asked the question you just asked um, and he, uh, in a letter. And he said, well... You know, there's there's different theories, but as uh, my friend Steve Behrman quips, sure it works in practice, but does it work in theory? Right. Oh. So, um, so Jung said there's a, a physicist, an astrophysicist at, at Princeton, uh, George Knoll, who says, well, there is light that comes into our from the stars and the thing and the time of year we're born, whatever, and it goes into our brain, our pineal, you know. Um, and then Jung said, and there's also just the synchronicity that everything's in a conversation, inner, outer. It's not just inner. Um, you know, and he said, so it's probably both. Nature is never as tidy as we would have it, right? It's probably both. But you said um, astrology for non-believers. Well, that would be all of us. Believe nothing, entertain possibilities. And we know we're in delusion fest as well. Venus square Neptune. Um, and so I've been pondering, you know, why has the delusion, the toxic delusion, you know, the QAnon thing, you know, so you know, like a virus infected the yoga astrology communities. It's like, it's very trippy. And Bali apparently has completely gone QAnon. And it's like dogma. Anytime people believe something that they haven't earned, they're open to delusion virus because it, it's part of that is compensatory condescension. Now I know and you don't, right? Um, and so I think for all of us also to go backstage, this is something I've been playing with, which is, everything back to nature. So the virus is a marvel of symmetry, right? It locks right in. And so is uh, cobra venom. And cobra venom is a marvel of symmetry. It locks right into mammalian breathing. Boom. But honey badgers and possums have evolved, here comes Neptune, to shapeshift so that the cobra venom no longer fits their receptors, right? And I think this is a useful thing for us to imagine backstage, that the collective mind of this country and the world is shape-shifting its receptors so the delusion virus, the tyranny virus, the cruelty virus no longer fits, right? So people would go, wait a minute, where is tyranny? I know I put it somewhere. It's like, it's gone. It's gone. I, I think it's mad whimsy and experimentation, you know, that this language is... Um, not to be believed in, you know, um, it's to be entertained, <laughs> the possibilities. And, and exactly what you said, you know, when I start off, um, <clears throat> you know, um, I go, you know, magic, astrology, all that we love and that we share a great deal of, um, either it's true, in which case it's the only way to live, or it's not true, in which case it's still the only way to live. Live the desirable story and then see what happens. Because if we stop going, I'm not going any further until I know how, we go, how is a booby prize, right? And, and that's also negotiating across borders, which is to start with what? The desirable vision, right? The sun is opposite the moon and Pluto, but trines Neptune. Everything into the cauldron going, here's a vision. Do you like that vision? Yes. Start with the vision, then avenues of synchronous opportunity open up to make it possible Whereas if we start with what's realistic, we all go to war, right? Um, so that's part of the thing. But um, this is your destiny. So um, I hope I don't know any astrologers who say that. Here's your destiny, right? Um, you know, and I go back to a mentor, Marsilio Ficino, who was always berating 
the astrologers of Venice for creating a priesthood, right? Mm. May I buy real estate? You know? Yes, you may. And he goes, no, no, that's not what it's for. Right. And he brought in, you know, talismanic magic and co- it's all cooperating, cooperating. So, um, so Marsilio Vicino, uh, for those who are not familiar, I wasn't for a long time, was really the, the, the Plato of the Renaissance. He was employed by the Medici and um, he sort of carried the platonic ideal. Uh, when Rick Turner speaks, he speaks of the lineage from Plato to Ficino, uh, to uh, Jung. And so this is the the lineage of the inner planets and their power. Um, and I love your suggestion that we do away with uh, the idea of archetypes, which I've been very attached to, but I'll throw them into the cauldron. Well, no, that's just me. No, no, don't, don't do anything I say. You, know, you, you keep archetypes. I'm playing with you. But give me a language that uh, one could use as a, as a, a useful uh, uh, word or phrase. You, you talked about that they are active intelligences. I totally get that. But is that the word? In other words, how could one have or do you have a word or a phrase to substitute for archetypes other than active intelligences? Right. Well, I think for all of us, Venus and Gemini doing many cool things, um, just as let's prime the pump. You know, the more words we have, the more forms of participation. Mm -hmm. And that's really, again, astrology really wants to make all of our skills available to us. And they're all participatory. So the more metaphors, the more words, the more. So so priming the pump. So there might, you know, for 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 convenience, people do default into one word, you know, the polycrisis, the thing. Uh, and I go, every now and then it's good to disrupt that or throw it into Pluto's cauldron, um, you know, and then lay, and then ladle it out. It only does things good to be bubbled away, you know, so that we choose it, you know. Um, and, and Uranus chimes in and says, we are big gods dancing with you all. We don't care what you do. We care the manner in which you do it, that it comes from freedom and choice. I could use the word archetype. Uh, I could use the word intelligence, or I could use the word, you know, the rutabaga. Um, but I choose to use the word archetype out of out of many possibilities. So intelligences, gods, but that's where the mythos kind of comes in, you know. And metaphor means etymologically to carry across. Metaphor is the incarnational garb whereby power enters the world, and it's 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 rooting for us, you know. It's in group mind. Um, it's got, you know, all these good angles to the thing. <clears throat> and then I just want to speak up on behalf of um, Pluto's dark humor, right? Um, Pluto as, 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 a, as a buddy as well, even though it's challenging to say the Lord of Death is a buddy. Um, but um, you know, I, I think Pluto's noir is that whatever, whatever words we use to describe ourselves at any time, Pluto goes, good cover, <laughs> Even like I'm an astrologer running for the city council and I'm doing all these things and I'm connected to Helen Blavatsky and Pluto goes, good cover. Or I'm Michael Lerner, I convene common when they go, good cover. You know, or, or I'm a, you know, good cover. And for all of us, because we're all, Pluto would say we're all undercover agents for, you know, 
collective transformation or, or whatever fresh words we want to use. I mean, that's why we're conversing to have more words. So, um, so I, I, it, it's many different cultures, right? The, I mean, there's the Orishas, there's the intelligences, there's the mythic forces, there's the whatever. I think that's part of conversing is we, we don't know. We don't have one replacement word, but, but I like to play. I, I do like replacing wrestle with dance, right? I, I'm very fond of that. So I want to turn to Rachel again, and then we're going to uh, invite you all now to start putting your questions in the chat uh, so that we uh, can... Uh, draw on those as well as continuing our conversation. Uh, Rachel, uh, this question, which I've explored with you, the inner planets, the outer planets, how how astrology works. You've heard Caroline's take on that, which is so beautiful. What would you add to that? Here, I want to piggyback on Caroline. And, and so two things. First of all, Pluto was the keeper of gems. So he's our friend in that he's like, I got all the, I've got all the goods down here. You have to come in into the underworld to get all the goods. Um, so that's, you know, I think that that's what, what we're doing right now, just definitely in this country, but also just Pluto's promise. Like uh, we'll break down those uh, identities um, and, and show you what's real, what's true, what's the gold nugget underneath it all. Um, and so that kind of takes me to my, my perception of archetypes and of the, and of astrology. And this actually came to me in a, um, a vision, uh, um, that, 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 that actually the chart, if you can look at your natal chart or you can look at the chart for anything as being the framework through which our soul incarnates. So our soul comes through this complex intersection web of relation plant planets in relationship with one another, planets in relationship with the earth, the limit. Actually, I even look at deep space objects, black holes, comets, quasars. I even kind of um, I'm sort of trying to figure out an intergalactic astrology right now. So our soul is the oneness, is, is the infinite possibility. And our soul comes in through all of these different planetary configurations that we could call archetypes, but the archetypes themselves are the way that the ego structures a sense of self, individuated self, in relation to the world that we live in, in relation to the relationships that we have. And so I think there's value in understanding that individuated self with the with the perspective that we're always both the individuated self and the self returning to the whole. We're always walking the balance between those two things. Um, and so that's kind of how I see archetypes. Um, that our archetypes are like our Mercury is part of the ego, part of the ego construct. And how the ego gets developed is through the story of Saturn and Jupiter, the ways that our family and culture translate evolutionary cycles to us in our personal lives and those outer planets being those evolutionary cycles that we're connected to and that we're a part of. So, um, so that's really how, how I see this, um, see those relationships. That's wonderful. You're listening to a TNS conversation with Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang and host Michael Lerner. 
Alice Love just asked a question, which I'd, I'd pose to Rachel first, because you and I have talked about how young people are, are flocking to astrology and also Enneagram, by the way, which is another great interest of mine. But Alice says, do you see commonalities between young people's charts? I feel that. I've, I feel that people in their teens, 20s, and 30s right now are powerful. Wow. Uh, Rachel, what are you getting about what's happening with young people in astrology? Yeah, so a lot of those people who are just turning 30 or in their late 20s, early 30s, they were born when Pluto was in Scorpio. And so they were born with this natural desire and, and inclination toward understanding truth and understanding truth that their parents weren't talking about, that my generation wasn't talking about. And, and so we see a lot of the people who came of age right around the time when Neptune entered Pisces in 2012. Um, every time Neptune enters Pisces, which is a 165 year cycle, we see a, a return to magic and we see occult revivals and there are the birth of, of spiritual movements um, and cults too, like uh, Carolyn alluded to. Um, and so we had these Pluto and Scorpio uh, young, young people coming of age at a time when Neptune was opening our hearts and opening our minds to, to really open us up to, to experiencing more compassion, more of that sense of oneness. And so, and so we can really thank that generation for, um, for, uh, you know, for bringing social media into, into, to, to things and, you know, tech, the way technology works now, it's so easy to do a birth chart. Whereas when I first started, we were, doing it by hand. And if you're not good at math, it would take a really long time. Um, and so it's so accessible. You can open your phone and pull up some, someone's birth chart in a, in a second. And so I think that there's been a lot of shift. And I like to think that the cooperating forces, the, mag the forces of magic have a hand in this too. Because if we are going to um, if we are, if by opening our understanding of astrology, we are inherently entering into a, a deeper relationship with the earth and with the forces of nature, because there's no way that you can know astrology and not feel a part of it and not feel uh, connected to the whole, to, to, to the planet that we live in. And so I, I personally think that it's a combination of, you know, our ancestors, our guides, our, the spiritual forces awakening within us the shift that's bringing the next generation into more of a right relationship with the planet and with the cosmos. We have some wonderful questions that I'll uh, turn to Caroline for first, and then Rachel, please add your thoughts. Another question uh, from before from Halima, I think. Rachel, exactly where are we evolving to unpack the misogynist paternalist interpretations in astrology, e.g., Capricorn is a feminist earth sign, not the paternal father destructive figure that has been layered on her by misogynists. And Pluto has been in Capricorn to transform us all using benevolent changes. Uh, so that's one. And then another uh, from Nasus, uh, any insight into the prospect of cash being phased out? Uh, as to the apparent imminent breakdown of the current economic system, that's a yeah. Those are two huge questions, Michael. We're gonna we're gonna ha hand the Nassus one to Rachel. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll take that one. But not yet. But no, no. 
but, but not yet, uh, because Halima's uh, got Moon and Capricorn, I know, from backstage conversing. Um, so Does Neptune and Capricorn generate uh, also affect this influx of intuitive pursuits and increased spiritual interest? So I'll stop there. Just wanted to fill the plate. And right, right. So, so this this wonderful language, right? Is it's we are detectives, right? So, so it gives us a, a form. Some people might have said an archetype, okay, but um, but so so here we are, with with the moon in Capricorn. It used to be called in its fall or detriment, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I I use exaltations. I love those, right? Uh, Jupiter exalted in Cancer because people need stories more than they need food. I I, I love it more than they need need bread but um but but i like daniel jamario saying the earliest image for capricorn was the council of grandmothers right mm -hmm. dedicated to the and then it comes into this this kind of thing but um but yeah no so we're here to to redeem that and and um and as halima sort of says we have a moon pluto so we're all honorary grandmothers kind of gathering now um and um the yeah you know, the Pluto in, in in Capricorn death rebirth, um, so the Moon Pluto says well what are some um, you know feminine or lunar images right so I like one way to I play is that all mythic figures are animations of intrinsic intelligence in nature, so Pluto and Moon the wrathful Dakinis represent that in nature which metabolizes poison. And just as a little sidebar, you know, all the planets chime in and go, you humans here will help you out. If you don't know what to do, invite in what does. That'll, that'll do. That, that'll do. And wonder about it. I wonder what we need now. Oh, because this language also is just um, rehabilitating us to be intimate with the world by being able to read it symbolically, right? And also to navigate by augury, to, to ask a question, you know, um, you know, and when uh, Michael, you were referring to Mercury and uh, something that it made me think of, you know, different cultures' relationship in in Greece, in ancient Greece, silence was comfortable because the next voice to speak would be Hermes, right? Mm -hmm. So we wonder what words to use. Oh, and then they, they come and have come in. But then just a little to introduce the Wrathful Dakinis, um, for those of you who have not heard about them, they've heard about you um, because um, they represent that in nature which metabolizes poison. And they were originally depicted as part woman, part animal. And then Tibetan Buddhism tamed them down, as any orthodoxy will, and made them pretty. And ornamental, but they're not pretty. They're beautiful. They're like, ah, oh, you know. Um, and they represent metabolized poison. So they take the poison of anger and cook it into the tonic of wrath, fierce protection of the community, all life, right? Um, they take the poison of seduction and cook it into magnetism, bring everything alive, right? So, so that's also part of the Pluto dynamic. You know, what metabolizes poison. And we also say, you know, when did humans make the underworld a bad place? And we go, well, we have to go back pretty far to right when there was a priesthood, right? Priesthoods run on fear and outsourced Saturn, right? Um, before that, it was a deep place and, you know, not, not, not a, you know, but a place of where our souls speak more deeply to us. And it was um, astrologer, Greek scholar, his name will come back to me. But he said, you know, the prefix dis, D-I-S-D-Y-S, means underworld. So any dis takes us to the underworld 
where our souls can speak more deeply to us so that no one could say, this is your destiny, but one might come in contact with, you know, to dree our weird, you know, to play our role, right? So, and now Rachel can handle the cryptocurrency conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. So, I mean, I, I know that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people look at some of the astrology of Pluto and Capricorn and, and, you know, Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008, um, right at the time of the, of the crash and the mortgage crisis and really, wherever Pluto's transiting, it, sh it, it breaks down what's not working. It allows us to go into the cracks of those systems, take out the decay, and, and, and fill it in with something uh, more desirable. So to heal it in a way that's transformed. And that's really what's happening with, um, with our financial systems globally. Um, and, uh, and, you know, right around that time was when cryptocurrency started, when blockchain technology began as an attempt to balance out some of the income inequality and some of the ways in which corporations were, you know, the unfair lending practices, et cetera. So Pluto's in its last few degrees of Capricorn right now. So there will be shifts and changes that finish what we didn't finish with the 99% movement. Now, does that mean that cash is gonna be phased out, that we're gonna have a breakdown of the economic structure? I think any aspect of the economic structure that is toxic, that like Carolyn's saying, that, that is poison, like let's hope that there is a breakdown of that and let's hope there is a renewal of something, something that is um, that rises up from from the ashes of that breakdown. Um, uh, there are gonna be a lot of shifts that take place though throughout uh, throughout your transiting Uranus still in its last few degrees of Taurus. So really over the, between now and 2026, expect some changes, but I don't think we have to get fearful or fatalistic about it. I think we can all hold the vision or hold the possibility, hold space for the possibility that any change that's going to be taking place is going to move us into more of an Aquarian paradigm where, where we are, um, where we're investing in our communities, where we're helping one another out, peer-to-peer -peer lending. Um, like we're gonna see a lot of those kinds of changes uh, and more, um, more communal-based uh, financial systems. Both of you are really unusual in astrology in bringing your political visions into astrological work. That, at least in my experience, is very rare. And, uh, and it's so fascinating because how, whatever language we use, uh, this is a period of very profound transformation. So in our work on the polycrisis, which people can find at omega.ngo, when we're looking at all the environmental, social, technological, financial, economic forces that are uh, interacting ever more rapidly and causing future shocks of ever greater power, you know, the climate crisis and then COVID and then uh, the Ukraine war and then you know, the uh, supply chain gaps and inflation running at 9%. And so 
there's this immense confluence of things going on. And there is a deep hunger among many people to try to understand what's what's happening. So it seems to me that what both archetypal psychology and astrology offer is a, a mythic language uh, in which one at least considers uh, the living intelligences that uh, appear to us in mythic or astrological form. And to me, that's very creative because it gives us a language outside of um, normal political discourse that gives us kind of a third place from which to look at this. So, Caroline, coming back to you, um, really, you've been doing this your entire career. Um, what have what have you, for want of a better word, discovered about how using this language enables a different kind of conversation across political boundaries that brings fun and play and dance and, uh, and all kinds of things into it that really transforms the lugubrious tone with which this is usually uh, considered. Well, vast, vast questions that made this conversation keep going and everybody for, you know, on, on out, on out. <clears throat> um, so, um, so for, for me, you know, bringing it back into an animistic metaphor realm, when I had a economist on radio years ago, and he just pointed out that all of our metaphors for money are all water. Right. Currency, cash flow, liquidity, rising tide. Right. And so I go, oh, it's a Neptune thing. And Neptune's been correlated with the Kondratiev economic cycle that's above my pay grade over there. But 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 in terms of the generation. So Neptune is in Leo right in the 1920s, roaring 20s. Right. Enters Virgo, you know, in, the, in October of 1929. Party's over. Right. Then, you know, and then, and then we keep going. So so now Neptune in Pisces is we're all in one giant dream and when the the economist um and and it does whisper to us i mean we all know things about the inquisition uh, in many ways and we want to call the inquisition off but neptune you know wh whispers to us um in pisces and says to each person imagine that the deepest most soulful part of you is about to be completely welcome in group mind just mm -hmm. as a just to entertain that as a kind of inquisition over still terrible things, but safer for everybody to come out as their wizard self, as their whatever self, the, the, that dynamic. And um, with The Economist, I said, oh, OK, um, money is water. I can work with this. This is good news for mystics. So so let's work with it more. And he goes, right. So pipelines move through inner city communities sucking water out through outside ownership and stadiums and stuff. So we want to poke holes in it. Right. And this is what in your city council and water is a big issue in Ohio and everywhere. Right. Um, and so that it spirals, all water moves in a spiral. Right. That's its nature. And so even the German scientists last year, when there were floods, were like, you know, it might have been a mistake to force undulating, curvy water into straight, shallow, concrete prisons. They got you think you think. Right. Anyway, so 
So that's the whole realm of biomimicry and the economy, you know, biomimicry, uh, you know, economy so that the water flows and irrigates, you know, slowly through a community and supports, you know, small businesses and ingenuity and, you know, um, you know, and the return of beavers that make the land fireproof. And, you know, we're, we, we need everybody. Right. So so there's so there you have that. <laughs> let, me add, let me add one thing here about how I am holding astrology these days uh, since I began my inquiry which um, with Rachel is uh, you know uh, the, the poet Keats talked about negative capability which is the ability to hold divergent ideas in your mind without stress and so when I talk about an astrology for non-believers, I mean that through this inquiry, looking particularly at the inner planets, uh, uh, that I can really understand the incredible power of an intrapsychic uh, astrology. It just lights up your brain and gives you a form of access to all kinds of inner forces that you might not otherwise uh, individuate into. That said, there are what Rick Tarnas points out in Psyche and Cosmos, the parallels in history and in biography, and the everyday experiences that many of us have, that our sun signs make sense to us, that there are seem to be real correlations with our transits in our lives where our planets are. And it seems uncanny uh, that this is purely uh, the result of completely intrapsychic forces. It seems as if uh, there is an external internal reality at play, as Caroline said, synchronicity. But I find it's important for me, and Rick Turnus actually said that James Hillman always maintained his own skepticism. I find it's important for me to retain a critical eye about astrology, to say, I really don't know how this works. I know how it works as an intrapsychic set of events, uh, but I can't understand uh, what Tarnas finds in Cosmos and Psyche. I can't understand the, all of the correlations to the real world in our lives and, and in history that so many people have, have pointed to. So I just want to say, as you listen to this, uh, I haven't given up my skepticism, but I don't have difficulty holding that skepticism along with a deep sense of wonder that, as Carl Jung said, uh, the damn thing works even after death. That's a quote from Jung about astrology. The damn thing works even after death. And so the fact that it seems to work uh, is what is uncanny because it goes beyond holding it as a completely intrapsychic system of self-understanding. So, Caroline, I'll go to you first with that. We're headed into the last uh, 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, how do you respond to those thoughts? Well, I like Steve Behrman saying, sure, it works in practice, but does it work in theory? Um, <clears throat> no, because it's it's an adventure. It's like... Um, it's like when I went to Syria, people in Syria knew I'd gone through a lot to get there. So it's like overcoming conditioning. So we do, we, 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 we jump in and go, let's see if it does. And I think it's a wonderful, 
healthy thing. I mean, every now and then, you know, every other day I go, what if it's all a complex con crock? Let me throw astrology into the cauldron. I think that's useful. Uh, and everything by which we define ourselves. And, and then there are those wonderful moments where you go, that was amazing. There's no other way that could have been so, this, this could not be someone else. Mm -hmm. How wonderful. But I think it's very healthy to throw things in, you know, so there is no dogma. And that's why, you know, we're all heretics here. Right. So because heretic was a term of praise in early religion. Boy, that Michael Lerner, that Rachel Lang, that, you know, Jane Shabatari, that, you know, sure is a great heretic because it meant free thinking, cross pollinating contributor to culture so that knowledge never became dogma. Mm -hmm. Right. So the liberating thing never became a prison. Right? I love that you hold it that way, that you with this whole incredible history that you have that you're able to say, you know, maybe the whole thing's a, you know, what a was complex it? con or crock. Well, yeah, no, it's it's healthy. But what if what if Commonweal's a crock? Throw that in. What if you know running for council's a crock? It's a useful thing to do. Pluto likes that, right? <laughs> and and then you and then you ladle it out, and it's fresh, cleansed of any you know conditioned you know identity. Or, or need, you know, and so so I, I think I think that's fun, you know. And the wrathful Dakinis are happy to, I know that you know, certainty is a booby prize. But you did say the magic word, the the you know, because you you were you were sort of anguishing about these complex things in your mind, and and I go well. Part of what's available to us is wonder, and you said it. Wonder attracts revelation, right? Neptune and Uranus. I wonder what the oh. And that is a restoration of our intimate participation. Like, I wonder, I wonder which road to take. Oh, that's the one with the energy. I wonder, it, it, Neptune says, you know, look, the humans have run out of certainty. It was always a booby prize anyway, but now there really is no certainty. You know, a round of applause from the ancestors. The humans have run out of certainty. Now they are available to mystery. You know, we wonder what to do. We wonder how to resolve this thing. We wonder. And, and then I just want to bring in Zelensky's Jupiter at 27 Gemini, just for the fun of it. Um, Pluto right now, at 27 Capricorn. Um, a great contribution. Um, years ago, Jim Lewis said to me, look at Pluto and Jupiter, incredible for publicity. And I was like, well, that's kind of cheesy. I don't know. Oh, it's true. Um, but I had to work it out. You know, Jupiter's storytelling, Pluto death, rebirth, its image is the phoenix. And mm -hmm. so then excavating before the phoenix bursts into flames and is reborn, the phoenix sings this hauntingly beautiful song. And all of creation stops what they're doing and is reminded of what's really important, you know, participatory animism and mutual aid and symbiosis, right? And then the phoenix bursts into flames. So I go, oh, we could say it got a lot of publicity. All of creation listened to its song. So Zelensky's really kind of doing that, Pluto exactly to his Jupiter. You know, you, you play the story, then you live the story, right? And then to everybody here who's receptive, you know, we wonder what each one of us, our phoenix's song might be. You know, if we have the capacity with everybody, no one person, no celebrity, you know, to guide, you know, and then Pluto just says to everybody, you know, we've been all been gathering things in our arduous journeying of what gets us through, what gets mm -hmm. us through the underworld. And, mm -hmm. and then just to pass it back to Rachel, um, a wonderful friend gave me this way to spiral out of polarity, which is, you know, because, you know, in, going on. Um, and she goes, people never mind being asked, did you know? 
unless we ask it in a snarky way. You know, did you know the Iraqis were slant drilling oil into Kuwait, you know, or, or Kuwaitis were, you know, whatever. The, did you know? And then the, so the more we know, and, and everybody here is a fountain of knowledge about ingenious solutions, did you know about this? And that's where biomimicry is so great because it transcends politics. People go, that's so beautiful. The, mm. You know, the rewiring of the Japanese train to look like a, a kingfisher bird entering water. <gasps> did you know we could do this? Did you know? No, I didn't. And anyway, so that's part of our magic backpack we can take away. Rachel, what do you okay, think? I, I want to add to that magic pack, that backpack, and that is that magic is really alive in this whole, in our, in this trio here. And just, this is really, so this painting right here, the red one, Tuesday night, I, I last, uh, last night, uh, I, I had this like, I had to finish it. I had to finish it. It was, it was not finished. I had to finish it and I had to finish it and put it up today. And it's the Phoenix. It's, um, it's the Phoenix rising out of the ashes. Um, and so, you know, I think that this is an example of, you know, that, and also if I can just add one other little story, this is a, this is my, how I discovered Caroline story. Um, I was working at a nonprofit and I was at a business meeting and I would, wanted to be an astrologer. I loved astrology so much, but I couldn't figure out how I could be in astrology and make a difference in the world because I had like this passion. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to, you know, um, uh, be a documentary filmmaker and do all this amazing. And I was like, I can't be an astrologer because the only template I had for astrologers were like, I, you know, just a, uh, the horoscope column in the newspaper and, you know, Susan Miller's column on the website. Anyway, I had, I didn't have a real template for how to merge these two things. So I'm at a business lunch and I overhear two tables next to me. I have this crazy supersonic hearing two tables down from me. I hear a woman say, Oh yeah, that's the North node. It's the dragon's head. And I was like, I lived in Nashville. Nobody, I only knew one other astrologer. So it's like the dragon's head, what's happening over here. So I'm halfway in my meeting and then I'm halfway in the other table, two tables down. And she says, yeah, you should listen to her. Carolyn, Kate, Caroline Casey at uh, the visionary activist, pod. visionary activist, huh? Well, okay. It's a KPFK. So I went home and Googled, and this is like 2005, 2006. I can't remember. And I heard you for the first time. And I thought, oh my gosh, here's a template for how to bring this passion I have for social justice, for all the things that I'm doing and astrology. And that's how magic works. It's how astrology works. It's like, we don't, we don't, if we understood how it all worked, we wouldn't be in awe and, 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 and really experience the beauty of the mystery of how these synchronicities can take place that take us from one point in our lives to a whole nother point. And, and I feel like this is the way that the divine participates with us. This is the way the divine plays with us is by, is by showing us these kinds of signs in our everyday life, by showing up to play with us so that we are guided and directed 
in a meandering way like water, then that like, you know, the slow flow of water or sometimes the big rush of water. And um, and so that's that's something that I think, um, you know, for me, astrology and magic have always gone hand in hand. And I think this is just one of one of those examples of um, like our coming together is one of those examples of magical forces at play. Rachel, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to wrap up here now. Um, first of all, there are some fabulous last-minute questions that we can't address, but just here's a wonderful one from Andres in uh, Guatemala. Rachel, you mentioned intergalactic astrology. For those of us who believe Gaia is the living planet Earth, it would be fascinating to ponder about Gaia's birth chart. If you don't have time to comment about this, hopefully at some point in the future you can reflect on this. Muchas gracias from Guatemala. And I just think that's a lovely conversation to save for the future. Uh, and then uh, Halima Christie says, as a Jungian psychologist turned transpersonal, I find the multivalent systems of inner outer seem to be intuitively, to intuitively share the good of consciousness cause and effect and lightnings. Uh, so, um, well, I just want to thank you both so much. This has been, uh, Caroline, the way you invited us into uh, uh, deep conversation and the, you know, Caroline, just how much you've done for consciousness and our community and for uh, really softening and opening us to conversations with people who are different from us, you know? Um, and Rachel, you know, such a joy to partner with you in this whole set of conversations and uh, to continue to learn with each other and from each other. Uh, so I want to assure you all, some of you have asked, we will capture the conversations in the chat uh, we will make them available to you all. And uh, it's been just a beautiful time. So, Caroline, any last word or two? Three. Uh, <laughs> just, just, it was a long time ago that leading edge physics said there's meaning in patterns. We go, excellent. The argument's over, right, yeah. between physics and metaphysics. And then physics and metaphysics can get married and have a child, reverent science, as though life mattered. That would be really good. And then just as a kind of act five kind of go forth, just the wonderful word complicity. Not shame, not blame, but whatever's going on, we are complicitively, complicitously creative. And once we realize that, if it's undesirable, we can inhale our creative complicity and exhale it into a better story. So complicity, we're all dreaming this thing into, into play. There we go and concentrating on the desirable. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Rachel, any last words? Um, just this is just thank you. And uh, I think that's a the complicity is a good note to end on. Perfect. Perfect. And so Kira Epstein, back to you. Great. Thank you. What a, what an amazing and fun conversation. Uh, again, we'll have the recordings produced in about a week. And if you're on our new school mailing list, or if you follow any of our feeds, you'll be notified when the recordings are posted and we will include the chat. Uh, please consider making a donation to help keep these programs coming. Uh, I put the link in the chat a little bit ago. And uh, 
I think that's it. Carolyn Casey, Rachel Lang, and Michael Lerner, thanks for being with us at the New School at Commonweal. See you next time. What a joy, friends. Thanks to all of you for coming online with us and come back. Uh, We're going to continue these astrological explorations and take a look at all the other stuff we're doing. It's a lot of fun. Take care. You've been listening to a TNS conversation with Caroline Casey, Rachel Lang, and host Michael Lerner. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kira Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening. Water can heal my body, water can heal my soul.